Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Crass Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Kurt. <laughs> but that was a good one. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, every single time you're going to do that differently, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, uh, so today's episodes, we're doing part two. If you hear like farting noises, that's my ass on my leather couch. <laughs> I'm naked right now from the waist down. <laughs> no, that's no, not he's farts. not. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Please forgive me. All right, so today's episode, we're talking land navigation part two, and some things we did talk about are uh, dead reckoning, shooting an azimuth, pace count, day night, what happens to get lost, all this stuff from part one that we that we focused on. It's kind of like the selection side of the, the That podcast. was a bad moment, dude. I'm like looking around for the outline for the podcast, and it's literally right in front of us. And I was dude, like, you're where cut the off. fuck is the outline? You're cut <laughs> off from beers. <laughs> Today, we're talking about terrain association and you know we want to optimize this episode and letting people understand the the difference between dead reckoning and terrain Terrain association it's completely different right hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah bro it's different and and most importantly you know obviously in and land navigation period you got to talk about gps or global global positioning satellites uh, or no otherwise known as gps is actually new technology rather fairly new technology like the the guy who invented it still alive. The satellites have gone up in the last decade, at least on the civilian side. So we'll talk about that because that's obviously important. And then some things that you could do to better prepare yourself for uh, whether it's the mill venture, whether it's the civilian survival venture, whatever it is, and terrain and uh, land navigation. What's the difference between terrain association and dead reckoning? Well, so we, I think we covered that on the uh, the first podcast. The yeah, day. I just want to cover it again. Okay. Kurt. All right. <sighs> Settle down. Jeez. Yeah. So, all right. Dead Reckoning Terrain Association. So, uh, Dead Reckoning, obviously using a compass and you're picking a spot shooting an azimuth and you're using uh, the last known point um, that you can see as a reference to actually move to. When we use Terrain Association, we're actually using uh, terrain itself, right? So, hills, valleys. Um, hilltops, uh, spurs, um, all those different types of, uh, of terrain to help you navigate. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, imagine you're in the wood line and you don't have the ability to read terrain. So you can't see it. You can't predict movement based off of it. You would use dead reckoning. You would use an azimuth because you don't have the ability to read or, uh, terrain and associate that to be able to get through the woods. So Imagine now that you go on top of a mountain in Colorado and you could see for 100 miles. Yep. Well, when you see for 100 miles, you terrain associate, meaning using the terrain to your advantage to optimize your path. Meaning if there's a hill in front of you, let's say it's a mountain in front of you, you're not going to just go over the mountain when you can go around it and save energy and time. Exactly. Uh, so it just depends. But you know, terrain association, you're literally reading the terrain. And most orienteering clubs most locations that have uh even national forest because they don't have like national forest in the woods they yeah. they have it, it's it's like this epic terrain most of it you you're going to utilize a one over twelve thousandths, i think 500 map which is the civilian standard mm-hmm. first for outdoor maps and then also you're going to use the terrain itself to navigate so it's not holistically important to your navigation effort to keep this crazy pace count or to focus so much on your, your azimuth or your bearing. Yeah, dead you just, reckoning techniques. Yeah, you focus on a general 
uh, direction and distance. Mm-hmm. You terrain associate, look at the map, you say that's five kilometers, that's a mountaintop. Yep. I know I need to get to that. Now, how am I going to do that the most efficient way possible? When we're looking at terrain association and, and survival, why is it important for the potential survival situation? Like maybe it's evasion, maybe it's maneuver, maybe it's moving along a path that you already know, but why is that important to, to well, know? One of the things that I'm thinking about right away when we talk about survival is reading terrain that, you know, hopefully it leads you to, you know, water, um, different things that sustain life, right? So, um, hey, you know the deal when you're in the mountains and you look up and there's uh, obviously snow in the mountains and that snow has to melt and go somewhere and it moves through uh, areas of low ground. So the idea of trying to find fresh water, um, whether, you know, it's in a valley or, um, you know, another uh, depression or something to that effect uh, that has water in it, um, that may be, you know, a telltale sign to help you get uh, one of the staples of survival. I think that's a really important point that you brought up, which is, you know, when you when you navigate period, you're not just navigating to get from point A to point B. Right. You're navigating pre-planning in order to optimize your survival, which means, like you said, with water, you're good. I'm not going to make point A to point B in a straight line if there's no water from point A to point B. Yeah. I'm going to deviate off my my bearing or my heading, and I'm going to optimize the the travel effort of that survival situation. So if I might, I might be going 25 miles, well, obviously anybody who goes 25 miles, you're not going to be able to do it without a water stop. Yep. So planning that along the route, looking at maybe, maybe it's an urban map. Maybe you're looking at safe houses. Maybe you're looking at grandma's house. You want to take all this information and not just arbitrarily think, Hey, I'm just navigating point A to point B. You're doing it to optimize your best chances of survival, best chances of living. Yeah, there's more that that goes into it than just saying I'm going from point A to point B and that's it. So another interesting point about uh, fresh water is not only do humans need fresh water, um, but, uh, you know, animals need a source for hydration as well. So um, it kind of works um, in, a, in a lot of different ways as far as um, a survival situation. So if, uh, animals are moving to water, you're moving to water. It could be a potential place where, uh, you kill an animal, uh, in a survival situation to help get you, uh, you know, protein or, or whatever type of chow you're trying to consume, uh, to help you survive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's hugely important about land navigation overall is we're not just talking about the survival contingency. We're not just talking about the afternoon hike. But we're talking about look at your terrain that's around you. You don't have to live in a rural environment. You can live in a city moving into a, into the country. Yep. Well, how the hell are you going to navigate when your phone goes down and you don't know the best route to take from your front yard to a potential safe area in the in the woods? Yeah. You might know the highway, but the highway is going to be cut off. Yeah. You might know the uh, secondary roads, but road traffic is is mostly impeded during a catastrophe, natural man-made. Yeah, the interesting thing about that, I think in an urban setting is, uh, you know, I think of um, major lines, of what we call in the military lines of communication, which are major highways and, and things of that nature and how they're oriented uh, in cardinal, cardinal directions. So like Mike was talking about um, secondary streets and things like that. Well, what if a major highway is closed off and you can't use it to navigate, but you know that that road generally moves in a northerly direction or whatever, 
right in a cardinal direction, then you may be able to use side streets and do uh, you know other things and use those major lines of communication as a way of orienting yourself and getting you in in a certain direction. So when we're talking about terrain association, the best one of the best ways to do it is get the maps. Go to the ranger station, start studying topographical maps and understanding how you read them because there's legends. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know what if if you're gonna try to terrain associate. I mean, you may be able to look at that three-dimensionally in territory or, or however you're looking at that. But if you don't know what that looks like on a map, then you don't know how to translate that. So that's a great point, bringing up, uh, you know, a key on a map or the legend and, and what represents what on a map. It's actually really interesting, man. I, I don't know. I geek out at maps. I don't know why. But I think uh, one of the, the coolest things about a map are contour lines. And when we're in the military, we learned contour lines and they have – you, you know, have to know them. <laughs> yeah, you have to know contour lines. And contour lines is basically a a visual reference and and you know understanding overall uh, topographically of the terrain on the ground in real life. So what they do is they create a contour line which would represent elevation change, and then the closer the lines, the steeper the terrain. And so each each contour line, the distance between it has a contour interval. And it's usually marked in the legend, and, and it typically ranges from 10 meters to 50 meters. But once you see that and understand that, you could literally look at a topographical map. And for me, it's because I've seen it so much, I could see the terrain popping up at me. Oh, yeah. And I could see, you know, the close interval or <laughs> uh, the close interval between contour lines looking like a cliff. Well, the other thing I was going to say about the contour lines is you know how much suck you're getting ready to walk into if those contour lines are close. You know that the terrain is steep, which is going to be a shitty route uh, if you're trying to, to maneuver through that. So, uh, you know, we pay attention to that kind of stuff because we meticulously plan our routes. Yeah. And, and you know, we could, we're not looking at a terrain always for survival. We're looking at it offensively, not just counter, yeah. counter or contingency. Uh, we're, we're actually looking at it for proactive raids, ambushes, right. points of of uh, ex exploitation. How can I get to the objective in a way that um, I can conserve energy for the force um, and then get there and still be able to be effective? So that that's something that's strict, you know, pretty military oriented. Um, but that's, uh, you know, Mike and I look at a lot of things in a lot of different ways. So it's all interesting stuff because I don't think it's it's land navigation period isn't really utilized in survival I, and i don't think in everyday life period well my thing about doing land navigation is is modern survival so fieldcraft survival is a modern survival company and the reason why we say modern survival is is really what we do is take all these uh you know these basic skills um that we learned in special operations and now we're applying them right to the civilian sector and and so we say modern survival and, and what we mean is when your cell phone goes out or something to that effect, can we teach GPS uh, navigation? Absolutely, we can. Um, but there has to be a fallback, right? Because if something major happens, a natural or man-made catastrophe, there has to be some type of basic knowledge in order to understand how to make you uh, more a more survivable uh, person. Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot. You know, we talk about the grid going down, but dude, your battery, my battery on my iPhone goes down hardcore in like yeah. a couple of hours because I'm always on it. Well, think about it. Like, you know, people always have to have, you know, their their phone to navigate or they have to have a GPS or all this 
technology. Well, let me ask you, what do you do? Um, and I'm not asking Mike, but I'm asking you as a listener, what do you do when all that fails? And if you have no basic understanding of navigation, then you're not going to survive. You know, I, I kind of want to just, I want to focus on land navigation more because I, I think it's important because when, when things go wrong, catastrophe wise on a big scale, the first thing you're gonna have to do is get somewhere. Yep. And I can't imagine, and I know people, even in New Orleans, which is which is a very small, that people were dealing with that. They didn't know where to go for help. They didn't have anything mapped out. They didn't have maps. Yep. They didn't even think about that contingency. So I think it's it's hugely important, man. And moving on to uh, GPS, mobile and dismounted. And I said mobile and dismounted because I want people to understand that, you know, people are used to using GPS in their vehicle. People rarely use GPS when they're outside their vehicle on foot because right. they don't have a need. Several different good techniques uh, that I always recommend is one, whatever you're using as a GPS or whatever program you're using on your phone, iPhone, whatever it is, right? This, this modern device that we use to navigate. Um, one, go in and read the background about it so you know what the capabilities of that uh, GPS device can do. Um, and, and then all the different features uh, that uh, these navigation programs, um, you know, a Garmin 401 or, or something to that extent, everything that they can do. So that way you understand what the full capability is and how you can bring that to bear um, if you need it in a survival situation or just for everyday navigation. Uh, yeah, there's two. There's a couple of devices that I've used in, in different instances and they're kind of complex, right? The software is kind of... Uh, because you have to use a proprietary software. Right. And anyways, they come with their own programs. But I think one thing I use is a like a Garmin 401. And we might be outdated because there's like 501s probably. But we, we use a, a Garmin that doesn't show imagery. It yeah. just shows your point and then it shows the di direction and distance. They're good for physical training. They're good for terrain uh, or land navigation. Uh, you can't use them during land after and military courses. But they don't include imagery. And so it's good off foot. They're light. You can put them on your wrist small. like a watch. It's yep. small. It's compact, and they're reliable. Another uh, device that I use is is the the forty. I think they're the forty series, like Sierra forty series or Ant sixty series. They're Garmin's or GPS's that you hook up like on motorcycles mm -hmm. that have imagery on them. You can upload imagery to them, yep. and obviously that's important to compare your location to where you're at and what you see. So we often do that when we're navigating in small vehicles. It, so it makes be, me think about my Toyota Tacoma right now. And yeah. My Toyota has um, a heads up kind of display, if you will, in the center, uh, the dash that has navigation technology in it. And so um, I use that. And then one of my favorites is uh, Google Maps. So yeah, I, I like, there's a whole bunch of cool applications too. I think I, I had a GPS in Libya, for example, that I could take pictures with it like a camera and it would geotag it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but you could do that with an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, also something to think about too is if you're using GPS uh, software, download an app. I use GPS Kit. And GPS Kit is a software program that you could use where you don't have to be connected to the Wi-Fi or to an internet. You've got, um, uh, you've got current maps that download. Yeah, you can get offline maps, yeah. upload them, and then be able to navigate. And then pre-planned routes. Something that I was going to mention before is when we're talking about GPS everything, 
the huge advantage is it's you could pre-plan it. You could see your route. Hell, you could even run your route yep. virtually. Which is cool. Which is really cool. Where you yeah. could where you could see the timing advance. You, you could see three D kind of views. Yes, yeah, three D views. You could you could know what to expect before you get there. Exactly. Um. So take advantage of that stuff, and it's fun, man. If you're going to the national forest, and you, you could plug different waypoints, maybe points of interest. Yeah. You could do a map reconnaissance, and then uh, have fun with the fam. Yeah. If you do that too, uh, give Mike and I feedback because we're always interested in people's experiences that way, which is cool. Yeah. Also, take pictures of that shit, man. We want to get more. I want to get more stuff on social media where it's not the sexy stuff. It's just shit that people should do. Right. Maps, compasses. That's, that's, well, I need to do that tomorrow. <laughs> Take pictures of that. So that's, that's hugely important. I didn't really start thinking about land navigation and handheld GPSs a lot until we started going to like advanced freefall stuff and, yeah. and realizing that you'd not only have to navigate on the ground, but you have to do it from the air. Right. And so we use Garmin like 401s. We use like a droid system. Yep. Inside the aircraft. Inside the aircraft. With navigation. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, there's a whole realm of navigation, electronic navigation, that we we rarely even think about. But every single deployment, every single thing that I did, I was punching in an MGRS, an eight digit grid. Yeah. And I was calculating our distance to the objective. I was plugging the LCC, the last cover and conceal position. Checkpoints. And that was every night on yeah. every raid that I did. Whether it was like from a helicopter, from an airplane, it, it didn't matter. But I was always navigating because in those situations, when shit goes wrong, you might be with a band of a couple of dudes at the end of it and having to get out of there yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's all important stuff. If you need to call in a medevac need to call in close air support, all that kind of stuff. It's hugely important to know where you are on the ground for well, sure. Well, you guys had an, an Iraq, you had an Iraqi invasion deployment. I was in the Q course during that time. When when you were doing that rotation, I know they had the plugger, right? This huge ass oh, yeah. uh, uh, GPS system. <laughs> you know what's funny about that though, is that uh, we found ourselves uh, using maps and it was based off of uh, key lines of communication and highways going into Baghdad. That was, uh, you know, and then, I mean, it was kind of like one of those deals where we were across the berm in Kuwait, everything kicked off, and then we navigated north towards Baghdad. And then I would end up finishing up, you know, going all the way north through the country into Kurdistan. So that's kind of cool, man. Were you guys using a lot of maps at the time, too? Yeah. We, so we were using maps and, um, you know, some plugger stuff. And, um, but, you know, the, it's funny, you know, that we bring up all this technology, but at that point, you know, we were still using main major lines of communication in the country. So that's really cool. I know I'm trying to think of, of kind of like austere type stuff that I've done with in the realm of navigation. And most of the, you know, most of the navigation we did was on a CF 19 or CF 74, which is a computer, you know, a Panasonic tough book where we had routes pre-programmed and use a satellite antenna. So we didn't have to be connected via towers or via some network, we could just use the satellite. And in those countries, that shit could go down in a in an instance. Yeah. I mean, we had more problems with the computers and the software, Falcon View, um, which nobody uses anymore. <laughs> <coughs> because it really is rudimentary uh equipment compared to what they have now. Right. I mean, when I was in uh some countries recently overseas, I was using my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to have a net- network because I had the off or offline maps programmed on my 
my GPS, but I could still get a GPS signal as as a phone that was representing an antenna. Yeah. Instead of hockey pucks that we used to use. Yeah, which is, I mean, obviously with uh, the uh, you know the upgrades in technology, huge benefits to that for sure. Yeah, I I think the the coolest thing for you if you want to learn about cool navigation techniques is get into a hobby where it's required. Get into an orienteering program. Get into a motorcycle club, like these off-road motorcycle clubs where they navigate. The other thing, yeah, woods. there was that, and then uh, there's like clubs where they do. Um, oh shit! It's not <laughs> treasure hunt is a bad. <laughs> oh, geo, geocaching. Geo, yeah, geocaching. So people are, you know, they're using modern technology, but you know, at the same time, depending on what kind of terrain you're in, uh, you have to be able to read the terrain as well. Um, not only for route planning, but uh, but obviously um, how you're going to get to uh, where you need to go. So, I I think it's fun to take. I even think about it myself when you hit these national forests and stuff, and you have all of the program roads on Google or whatever it is. When you get to these off the beaten path courses or uh, courses of uh, terrain, you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have imagery. Yep. And so, not having a map. Uh, completely screws you up because you have no point of reference and you're basically lost going off the signs that are usually outdated or it may be even wrong in the middle of the woods. Yeah. So actually crazy, uh, you know, kind of little deal that happened to me last weekend. So I was literally out with my family, uh, here in Colorado and we decided kind of spur of the moment to go do a hike in uh, the back country. Now I had a backpack with my survival kit and um, with your Fieldcraft survival kit. Hell yeah. Um, and water, you know, and all the, the staples of survival that we talk about, cause I'm not a dipshit and I'm not going to end up somewhere and be like, yeah, that, that dude that worked for Fieldcraft survival died in the backcountry cause he wasn't prepared. No, but, um, so my family and I are out and we did lose, uh, cell coverage, um, and GPS coverage as far as using our iPhones to navigate. Um, so really the last thing I had to go on, um, as far as doing this hike was my mental picture. Uh, if you will, my memory uh, of what the map looked like and where we were going. So um, just another, you know, kind of great point that once you get into an austere environment, you may not be able to fall back on technology. What Remember when we drove and we did, we drove in the snow from uh, oh, yeah. Nevada? Dude, that was crazy. Yeah. I we did a course in Nevada. Yep. And then we cut through Utah um into colorado and we were i mean in the middle of fucking nowhere the crazy thing is i didn't have good reception and then the things with iphones is once you connect and you get the route it plugs the route but you right, lose the imagery right yeah so you'll, you'll get the track route because you're still pinging a satellite right but then you'll eventually lose the imagery which is uh you know it's not the end of end of the world because you still have some kind of point of reference but in those places in those places it's uh it's super scary to think about, man, because th that highway that we were on in the middle of a snowstorm, nobody, we didn't see anybody, anybody. for hours. Hours. So if we that broke down, crazy, dude. dude, we would have been spooning each other naked. Yeah. Instead of a we fart don't even sack. Want to talk about our mobility platform. Yeah. We just did that for <laughs> rehearsal, for practice. Yeah. We got naked and we got we spooned each other. I don't know where we're going. I don't have no idea. Yeah. But anyways, the point is that your technology is going to fail eventually. And not even shitty circumstances. We're not talking worst case scenario. We're talking just like normal living. Yeah. Uh, if you're that driving cross country. Imagine a fucking, you know, something catastrophic, bro. Oh, dude. An accident. Yeah. Anything. If, if, we, had a, if we hit an elk, 
I mean, dude, that would have been a survival situation. I would have been fucking. I would have cut that oak open and slept in him like uh, Leonardo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Leonardo. Oh yeah, dude. And he slept in that horse. Oh, Revenant. Revenant. Dude, yeah. that movie's awesome. Man. That is an awesome movie. We need to watch that movie. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we, dig- <laughs> we digress. Here's some staples, man. So staples to focus on is one. You gotta have a compass. In fact, I'm adding a compass to the Philcraft Survival Kit. Dude, have a compass. You can get a little boat compass for a couple bucks, right? Yeah. And these compasses you could stick anywhere. Anywhere you want. Um, I, I prefer to stick uh, compasses <laughs> on my shoes, on a lace. Uh, it's somewhere where I put on my shoes all the time. <laughs> what I just you imagine you with compasses on your shoes. Everywhere, like, bedazzled compasses. Yeah. People are like, what's up with that dude? Oh, he's into modern survival. He, he's navigating. Yeah. But have a compass, man. It's not that hard. And remember, the sun sets in the uh, west. west. <laughs> yeah, rises and it rises in the, in the east. east. So if you understand that, then obviously you can get a cardinal direction off off that uh, understanding. Another thing is pace count. Look, if you're keeping pace count, number one, you got to figure out your pace count, right? You got it's it, you got to know your pace count. And it's seventy seven for me. Seventy seven right footsteps um, is a hundred meters. Yeah. Well, if I'm keeping a pace count, I don't have to reference a, I don't have to reference a point of understanding. I just have to take a rock, stick it in my pocket, and that's 100 meters. Yep. If I have five rocks in my pockets, I just went 500 meters, and it doesn't have to be complex. Mike just busted out some serious old-school infantry shit on you. Yeah, just so you know. that's old-school, man. Yeah, like where you're counting with stones every 100 meters. <laughs> yeah, picking up rocks. You got, you, got a, you got a pocket full of rocks. It's funny know we laugh, but that kind of stuff works. So when you have a lot of stuff going on, when you're tired in a shitty environment, and your memory isn't working the way that it should have been because you're not hydrated, you don't have enough food, um, these are all practical ways to actually keep a pace count, which is actually really good stuff. Yeah. An- another way, another thing you need to do is one is you need to know your area of yeah. operation. Even if you're in the middle of San Francisco, it doesn't mean you you don't or you need to ignore the fact that you, you know, I'll just use public transportation or I'll just call an Uber. Well, guess what happens when an earthquake hits the epicenter of San Francisco? Everything goes wrong. Everything everybody, goes away. everybody gridlocks the roads. That's the first thing that goes down. And your best opportunity to survive and to, or to get out of that situation period is on foot. So if you don't have a map or a a reference of understanding of re- your relationship on the earth, then you're not going to get out of that situation. Yeah. And I don't want to just know generally, hey, I need to go towards the water because I see water. Why? You live there. Don't be lazy. Get a fucking map. Do a recon. Do a recon. That's, that's what we're getting at. It's fun. Yeah. Stick it in your bag and they call it a day. And that's part of your kit. You know what? We've been there. doing that in Colorado. Mike and I have been here, what, going on almost two months. Yeah. And we're out and about uh, all exploring the time. And, and checking out all the, you know, the different areas to, to make sure that we understand where we live. So, yeah, do that. There's people who don't even know, you know, what's right down the road from their house. Yeah. Um, also, what you can do... They mostly uh, talk shit to us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, absolutely they do. <laughs> they troll our they shit. They troll our shit. <laughs> uh, another thing is is uh, not, that, not just know the area that you're in, but know the safe places that you need to go. If you're in an urban environment in the middle of San Francisco, you might want to look at the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. You might get gridlocked. It, you might have to travel on foot, but you get to out to those locations and you've identified key terrain, key locations... Yeah, that's gonna save your ass. Hell yeah! Find that buddy who lives out in the middle of nowhere, like we we do, and uh, we'll be your buddy, and we'll <laughs> save your ass when you have to uh, evade from a city, because I won't ever evade from a city. 
Unless I'm doing business. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Which or, we plan when we travel as well. So yeah, we have a full cross and wild kit in our bags. <laughs> and we know what's going on. We know what's up. So how can people get into uh, terrain? How, like, how, what would you recommend for somebody to practice this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the best way to, to obviously practice it is like I think Mike mentioned earlier is uh, is going to several different venues that uh, where you can either buy a map online. Um, I know National Geographic has some stuff like that. Um, your probably local forest service in whatever state you live in can help provide that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, obviously you're getting the resources and then doing some some planning, letting somebody know where you're going. Right. Um, if you get lost, then they know where you're at. Um, and then, uh, you know, bring in chow, water, all the, the staples of survival that we talk about, and then go out and actually have a fun day of doing some training. Uh, that could be, you know, family oriented if you're a, a family guy or gal. Um, and, you know, if you're single, hey, go and do that as well and, and get an idea of where you're living. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, we call it what? It's called uh, situation awareness. Yeah. It's well, gaining I atmospherics. Mean, I mean, in the military, we call it, call it a lot of different things. You're doing a recce. You're doing a route recce or reconnaissance. You're gaining situational awareness. There's all these different acronyms and terms that we use to, to do all this stuff. But this is all stuff that matters, and it's stuff that's going to save your ass when the shit hits the fan. Uh, another thing you could do is orienteering clubs. I actually, when I was training up for a selection, I looked into it. And honestly, it was a waste of time. <laughs> I know orienteering has helped a lot of people because it, it gives you different techniques and different tactics that you could, you know, obviously learn from people who do it that are nerds at doing it and they've, they've optimized the process. Are we nerds at doing land now? <laughs> we used to be. Yeah. I think we have to be exercising nerds to be like, we have to actually implement it. Yeah. Well, one of the other things I was going to say too, is as far as resources, um, and I'm thinking about like doing something fun with my family, but the geocaching thing. Yeah. Like I've got friends that were in the military, um, guys that were married and had kids, and and they made it kind of like a fun day for their family to go out and do this geocaching thing wherever they were at. So that's another uh, uh, source that you know that you can use to not only train yourself but your family, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in this this episode. Uh, if you guys. Uh, want to hear more about this there's resources all over the place right there's yeah. we have a dvd uh that's coming out where we're talking about land navigation we teach it in the assessment course youtube videos up the ass about land navigation um, but it's all important to survival yeah and then um, there's plenty of resources out there that give uh solid information on good land nav techniques and then of course mike and i love to be a resource as well for everybody out there that's serious about it so uh, we both obviously have our Instagram accounts at Soft Survivor and then uh, Kurt underscore Team Philcraft. And then you can see a lot of information as well on our business account that is Philcraft Survival. Um, of course, you're listening to the podcast, so you know we're on iTunes. And then we are at www.philcraftsurvival.com. Yeah, it's leave feedback, man, please. And uh, and also subscribe. That, that stuff helps in algorithms and gets us to the top so we could uh, get into more listeners ears. Yeah. And if you want more about land nav too, like, please ask questions. Uh, we're always interested in, and we love teaching. So yeah, you guys can email us at media at com. All right, guys, until next time, stay alert, stay alive.